So, PJ, you are not much younger than me, but younger enough that you come from like a different internet generation than I do. Yeah. When I started using the internet, it was like 91, 92, and it was sort of before the World Wide Web. So I would dial in to a local bulletin board. There was uh, four phone lines, and I would just get hours and hours of busy signals while everybody desperately jockeyed for the one of those four phone lines, and then I would connect, and then my dad would get call waiting, and 15 minutes later, I would get bumped off, which was unbelievably frustrating. Wait, and also, when you started going on the internet, wasn't it like... You could log onto a bulletin board, but only you could be on it, and you'd like leave a message, and someone else would go on it. They had four, so four people could be on at the same time. It was pretty <laughs> fancy. <laughs> I used AOL like every normal person, which meant that I could talk to Americans from anywhere in the world uh, who had gotten a disc in the magazine. Wow, that's pretty cool. You're pretty futuristic. I have a memory of going into like a chat room and talking to some adult woman who was like, I guess she was flirting with me, but I didn't understand flirting. And she was like, hey, do you want to talk in a private chat room? And I was like, yeah. And she said, age, sex, location. And I was like, 12 years old, male, Haverford. And (laughs) she was like, I got bigger fish to fry. And then she logged off. Those those were her exact words? I've got bigger fish to fry. Oh, that's so brutal. I felt so like lonely. And also like, I was like, yeah, I understand that. Wait, once she said that, did you realize what was happening? I realized that I disappointed her in some way, but it took me like a long time to figure out how and why. When I first connected, my first conversation was with an Iraq war vet about the band Black Flag. That's pretty good. Yeah, I know. I was I was way cool even back in 1991. Well, don't you also feel like like we both had kind of typical experiences early on? Like mine was lonely and alienated and yours was like pop culture weird stuff. When you say typical, you mean like typical of us as human beings? Yes. I think that you give yourself too much credit as a lonely, alienated person. I think you I think you think You're that gonna take that away from me? You're damn right. <laughs> Jesus. I think that you think that you're much you're like the you're like a way more popular and sociable and friendly than I am. Thanks. It's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason we're talking about it is because we have a story this week from producer Carla Green. It's about the back in the day internet in France, which is in some ways, very similar to the back-in-the-day internet that me and PJ experienced, but in a lot of ways, much, much weirder. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Carla will take it from here. In 1982, France's national telephone company, France Telecom, decided it was spending too much money printing phone books. So it put the phone books online. Well, kind of. What it actually did was convince the French government to distribute a $200 computer to every French household with a phone number. It was an ungainly, clumsy piece of technology, just a little CRT monitor with a keyboard. 
When you wanted to use it, you plugged it into the telephone line, meaning you couldn't use the phone at the same time. France Telecom called it the Minitel. Here's a French newscast from the Minitel's launch. Now, we're going to talk about something that's relevant to you, or at least will be relevant to you very soon in your daily life. It was unveiled yesterday by the Minister of Telecommunications. It was the electronic phone book. At first, you couldn't use them for much. You could look up phone numbers and addresses, banking information, the weather, stock prices, things like that. The Minitel charged by the minute, and each minute could cost anywhere from 50 cents to a dollar or more. Companies that provided these services would split the proceeds with France Telecom, and quickly everyone was making a ton of money. But what the Minitel lacked, crucially, was a feature so integral to today's internet that sometimes we don't even notice it. The ability for users to interact with each other. So not long after its release, a teenager who was never identified, as the story goes, hacked the Minitel and added a messaging feature. People liked it. And since they liked it, usage of the Minitel increased. So France Telecom integrated chat rooms into the Minitel's design. Those chat rooms quickly became the single biggest reason people logged on. And perhaps unsurprisingly, the chat rooms French people loved most were the sex chat rooms. They were called Minitel Rose, French for pink Minitel. This is a TV ad for a chat room called Le Diable au Corps, or the devil inside. It's just a still photo of a woman looking suggestively over her shoulder and the phone number for the server. Of course, the ad was kind of a lie. My name is Jean-Marc Manac. When I was a student uh, to pay my bills, I used to uh, tell people I was a beautiful girl on uh, uh, Minitel. Jean-Marc, as you can probably tell, is a man. And he, along with thousands of other students and struggling artists, was a Minitel animatrice. Animatrice is the feminine form of a frustratingly untranslatable word. It means, at once, radio host and camp counselor. And somehow, it also came to mean what Jean-Marc did with his Wednesday nights for a couple of months in the mid-90s. Jean-Marc worked on the 17th floor of a tall building in Paris. During the daytime, the room would be full of animatrices. 15 or 20 at a time, almost all of them men. Jean-Marc preferred to work nights when he was often alone. There was a great view of Paris from the office building he worked in, and it was quiet. He sat in front of an array of four Minitel. He was a different woman on each. Jean-Marc's English isn't great, so he did the rest of the interview in French. I ate beforehand, because it was hard to eat when you're on four Minitel at once. We didn't have time. I think I filled up a bottle of water, I'd turn on the Minitel and log on to the forums, and then I was off for the whole night. I think I started around 10 p.m. or midnight, and I would leave around 5 or 6 a.m. to go to sleep. And I'd run into all these people waking up, going to work, and I'd just spend the night talking about sex with people all over the bizarre to normal spectrum. There was such a disconnect between me and the commuters, who were half asleep. And I wondered if the people I'd been talking to all night were there, among the commuters, like right in front of me. During the day, the boss would breathe over the animatrice's shoulders, pressuring them to finish up with each partner more quickly so they could move on to the next. Being romantic, or engaging in anything that would slow them down, really, was strictly forbidden. Industrial work, Jean-Marc called it. But he was, in his words, an artisan, a budding cyberfeminist. He's only using that word, artisan, half-ironically. 
You can hear it in his voice. He's proud of his stint as a night shift artisan animatrice. So he tried to incorporate his own unique worldview, his artisan cyber feminist politics, into every aspect of the job, even the identities that he chose to inhabit as a woman. On one Minitel, I was a 56-year-old woman. On another, I was a 35-year-old woman named Brigitte. And on the other, I was a 19-year-old bisexual student. Unsurprisingly, the 19-year-old bisexual was far and away the most popular. But Jean-Marc was insistent on subverting expectations. I liked refusing to only be blonde girls with giant breasts. And being a cyberfeminist also meant that Jean-Marc insisted on pushing past the verbal abuse that most men used to open the conversation. The guys would log on and say, blow me, whore. But I'd say, no, no, you say, bonjour, madame. And that always worked quite well. Once he managed to get past the abuse, he found Minitad Pink to be a uniquely raw and emotional place. People told me things they'd never told anyone, and other things that they never would have told a man. So it was interesting to discover these secrets. They trusted me with their secrets, their sexual fantasies, their fears, their life dramas. There were people who were genuinely traumatized who told me about their trauma. Maybe they told him those things because he was Brigitte or the 19-year-old bisexual co-ed. But it was also probably because they were reveling in the newfound anonymity of typing from behind a screen, said Jean-Marc. That anonymity revealed an intimate side of people he'd never really seen before. I got a lot of people who were suicidal. There were even a couple of women, young women, who were really freaking out. I wasn't face-to-face with them, so I don't know how much of what they told me was the truth. But what I do know is that the Minitel costs money, and the longer you were connected, the more expensive it was. I don't get the point of lying when you're going to be paying so much to be connected in the first place. One time, he said, a man logged on and immediately pelted him with a clod of vitriol and verbal abuse. He started out bitch and was really violent. And I managed to calm him down. I said, you can't talk that way. And after 15 minutes of this, he told me that his daughter had gotten hit by a car leaving school and that he'd come onto the Minitel to let off some steam. That was really touching. And discovering how open people would be with him on the Minitel chat rooms was a revelation for Jean-Marc. I really didn't expect for people to reveal so much of themselves emotionally. And it kind of changed my life. It helped me to understand that what we call internet networks today is first and foremost just people, human beings. It's not cables and computers, it's not technology, it's humans. Not many women were animatrices. They had a hard time with it. It was pretty violent, and they didn't have the perspective that I did on men's fantasies. I had enough distance from it and enough of a sense of irony about what I was doing to not get depressed about the human race. Because I was a heterosexual guy. I wasn't going to think that all men were like that. In fact, Jean-Marc could see himself in the men he talked to because he'd been them when he was younger. Like all teenage boys, I managed to get on Minitel Rose when it was just starting to get really big, to see what it was. So I was on the other side of the equation, too. And when I was a teenager, I made up women's usernames to see what it was like. And it was much more interesting because all the men wanted to talk to you since there weren't many women. So even before I was paid to pass myself off as a woman on the Minitel, I had already done it, like, just to see. Jean-Marc's tenure as an animatrice was short-lived. Not because he was sick of the cybersex. It was for a different reason. They moved us to another building and stuck us next to fortune tellers and astrologers. I mean, fortune telling, that's going too far. Fortune telling is just stupid. 
That's right. Jean-Marc had no problem staying up all night impersonating a woman in sex chat rooms for money. Fortune-telling, though, was more than he could bear. But while Jean-Marc only lasted six months, the Minita lasted quite a bit longer. In fact, when the internet did come along, France Télécom viewed it as a competitive rival. In 1995, a French journalist asked to interview one France Télécom executive for a book he was writing about the internet. The executive famously replied, The internet? But we're going to ban the internet and create a French one. Internet 2.0. That plan, of course, didn't work. For a company that was cashing in on fortune-telling, France Télécom proved to be awful at actually predicting the future. In the end, when the World Wide Web finally beat the France Wide Web, the only real surprise was that it took as long as it did. The Minitan network was shut down in the summer of 2012, turning the 400,000 remaining Minita terminals into permanently blank screens. As for Jean-Marc, he's a writer now covering tech for Le Monde. He says we shouldn't miss the Minitel. It was too expensive, too limited. Nostalgia for internet's long past? That's an American indulgence. Carla Green is a radio producer currently living in New Zealand. Coming up, we humiliate an old man. Stay tuned. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can upgrade your home with up to $2,400 off select kitchen packages from top brands like Maytag. Enhance your kitchen with the exclusive Maytag French door refrigerator and fingerprint-resistant stainless steel only at the Home Depot. And with dual power filtration on the Maytag Tall Tub dishwasher, you can skip soaking and scrubbing. Right now, get Memorial Day savings up to $2,400 off select kitchen packages at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Pricing valid May 16th through June 5th, U.S. only. See store online for details. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Essentia is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply this week, we're trying a brand new feature on Reply All, which we call Yes, Yes, No. We've found that our boss, Alex Bloomberg, comes to us so frequently with questions about Internet Arcana. 
that we thought we'd just record one of those questions to see how it goes. Take it away, Alex. Hey, guys. So I was uh, on Twitter, and um, I came across this tweet uh, from somebody named Laura June, and it says, What if Leah gets a Pulitzer for doxing the fridge? Do you know what that means? Yes. PJ, do you know what that means? Yes. Bloomberg, do you know what that means? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, um, before we get into an explanation, which of the words in that sentence do make sense to you? Pulitzer. <laughs> I've heard of Pulitzer. You've heard of fridges, right? I don't know. I've heard of fridges. But you can tell that that's a specific fridge. I don't know what the fridge is. I don't know who Leah is, and I don't really know what doxing is. I sort of know what doxing is, but it, I thought it had something to do with computers and not fridges. It does have something to do with computers. All right. As a public service to me and all the listeners who might be like me, as old as me, what does this tweet mean? So Leah Finnegan is a writer at Gawker, uh-huh. and she wrote a piece guessing at the identity of an anonymous Twitter account called NYT Fridge. And NYT Fridge is supposed to be, I guess it's like a parody. It's supposed to be like witty stuff from inside the New York Times building. Right, because a few years ago there was like a trend of, there's like Goldman Sachs Elevator, which was like things you might overhear at Goldman Sachs. And so it was like the institutional gossipy voice of Goldman Sachs. Uh, And NYT Fridge started like that at the New York Times, but it's morphed into something like grumpier and weirder, which is just like a mean media critic who hates everything except for Michael Wolf's columns. <laughs> yeah. But there is a joke Twitter account that involves the that is called at NYT Fridge. Yes. Okay, good. Fact number one, I now know. So then there's a woman named Leah Finnegan. Yes. She writes at Gawker. She likes writing about the media. And so she didn't say who's behind the fridge. She wrote a piece being like, here's the evidence we have. Here's who we know it's not. So she, but so basically what she did is she wrote like essentially an article trying to actually get to the bottom of who the NYT, it's like. They're trying to flush it out. Like they're trying to say like if anyone like an, knows Like anything, who was Deep Throat. Yes, exactly. But unimportant. Yeah, nothing you like know. who is Deep Throat. Exactly. <laughs> there, there are a number of internet personalities who are anonymous who interact with the media a lot. Like the opposite of NYT Fridge is this account called Darth. Darth has 20,000 followers. Uh-huh. He talks a lot to like Claire Jeffrey at Mother Jones, like people like that, like editors. And he'll do sort of cute photoshops. It'll be like Mitt Romney with a Photoshop dog. Like they're sort of funny and a little critical. So people like him because he's like a helpful sprite of the internet. He'll like whip up a Photoshop for you. And Gawker, I think last winter was like, we're going to dox Darth. And people were mad like they said they were going to murder Santa Claus. They were like, how dare you? Darth doesn't want to be public. There's no journalistic value in this. Da, 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 da. So now Gawker doxing unimportant anonymous media figures is like its own institutional reporting in-joke. But they're kind of serious about it. And they're kind of like, they do get a lot of traffic for it because people do want to know. All right. So I'm going to try to explain it now that now that you've explained it. I'm going to explain in it In a sentence. It doesn't right. have to be in a sentence. So what if Leah gets a Pulitzer for doxing the fridge? What this is, is a, uh, is a, is a, a humorous tweet filled. <laughs> you got it so far. <laughs> and it refers to a article that was written on Gawker in which the author is trying to uncover the true person behind an anonymous Twitter account, which is called the NYT Fridge. And it's funny because Gawker has a history of going after 
somewhat annoying or somewhat friendly, but ultimately benign and unimportant anonymous Twitter handles and attacking and trying to uncover their true identities with a, with a seriousness that is, to some people on the internet, mockable. Pretty good. Yeah. I think we're at yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you feel better informed about yeah, the Are you world? glad you or know do you, that? Do you, do you feel happy that you know this? Or do you just feel like, okay, now I know, and now there's like another piece of information in my brain that's probably crowding out a memory of one of my children's, f- f- one of the amazing experiences I had with my kids. This is That's like how I feel about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm happy that I know this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, But that's okay. <laughs> I think we should do the next segment. I think we should do another segment. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So uh, thanks very much for uh, listening to Yes, Yes, No, and uh, we'll be back with more Yes, Yes, No on future episodes of Reply All. <laughs> Unless you guys absolutely hate it, <laughs> and let us know in the comments. Don't let us know in the comments. Fly All is PJ Vote and me, Alex Goldman. The show is produced by Lena Masitsis and Chris Neary and edited by Alex Bloomberg. Matt Lieber is the lone voice of reason in an otherwise insane world. Our theme music and scoring are by Breakmaster Cylinder, and our ad music is by Bill Buildings. Special thanks this week to Rachel Emily and to Anthony Porowski, who provided the American voice of Jean-Marc Manac, and to Sean Ramosfarm for playing the voice of the newscaster. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.